Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hi everybody, Megan Thompson here, and I am here to help you as parents eliminate daily meltdowns in as little as eight weeks. It's the thing that we are amazing at here at MTC. And the focus for that, guys, is really understanding why, you know, why we do what we do. It, it, it's important for you to be aware of, of why that's so important to address now. So today we're going to be talking about the number one skill that your highly sensitive child needs to learn as soon as possible. And we focus on emotional management and, and building an emotionally independent child as we parent. Now, the reason for that and why that's so important, parenting a highly sensitive kid, we'll get to in a minute. But first, I really want to talk about the challenge that you guys are are facing if your child is not emotionally independent, depending on their age. So we think about what's developmentally appropriate for a highly sensitive child. What we know to be true is that highly high sensitivity in terms of the personality trait is has nothing to do with whether or not your child is developing on time or will be delayed in their development. So that's very, very important. Um, uh, I actually just saw in another group the other day, uh, or uh, no, today, excuse me, um, one parent said, uh, you know, HSCs develop um, on time, on track, but it's it's times 100 in terms of the intensity. And that was just a, a parent who, who had posted that. And I wanted to speak to that for you guys, because this is actually something that you experience a lot, parenting a highly sensitive kid, but it doesn't have to be the the truth for you. And it's a huge misconception. And and I know exactly why this is such a misconception for for parents that we work with and and parents here in this group that I really want to get clear for you. Um, So we think about the biggest skill that you need to learn. The, f- the first thing that you need to observe about parenting a highly sensitive kid is that developmental milestones for HSCs are not different than developmental milestones for a non-highly sensitive kid. What's important to be aware of, however, is that your child, when struggling to meet those developmental milestones or when struggling to manage their emotions, that can delay their ability to meet those milestones. So this is why you are so frustrated that your child who may be six, seven, eight, nine, ten, is dealing with daily or multiple times a week meltdowns, and you're overwhelmed because it's frustrating because you feel like your kid who's in elementary school or you know early elementary school is acting like a three-year-old or a two-year-old, and even to the nth degree because maybe you have more than one kid and you know that not all children, even in toddlerhood, have multiple meltdowns in a day, a week, even. 
And so it's super, super frustrating to hear, especially from other parents who are parenting highly sensitive kids, that parenting a highly sensitive kid means that you have to endure massive frustration for all of your years of parenting. It's simply not true. And so it leaves you feeling frustrated because part of you knows that it's not true. There's there's a, a gut sense of, of, of why that feels like it's bullshit for you. And that's because we know as humans how we can sniff out um, a false belief that we tell ourselves just to placate our stuckness to make ourselves feel better. So some parents will develop that belief, stick with it. And they stay miserable dealing with parents, you know, parenting a highly sensitive kid with multiple meltdowns because they have to tell themselves something to survive, right? You're, you're just, you're just trying to figure it out. And so there's no judgment. It's, it's just really where you're stuck. And so I want to get clear on that, noticing that, you know, if you're frustrated parenting a kid with, high, with big meltdowns and your kid is highly sensitive, that you can create these beliefs that this is just has to be the way it is. Um, and part of that is because you're missing the number one skill that your kid needs to learn and you're, you're focusing on different skills that aren't working. And so and what we're doing here is understanding, guys, that when your sensitive kid is experiencing a big emotion, conventional wisdom tells you to teach a coping skill. Now, coping skills are reactive. So this is why I don't focus on Pinteresty type tricks here in this group because you can Google that shit and it doesn't work. So we're not doing that. And so what we're doing here is instead focusing on what actually works. And so what works is recognizing that you need to parent in a way that's not reactive. You need to get out ahead of it and you need to stop focusing on how to change how your child expresses their emotion in the moment so that they don't melt down and start preventing the meltdowns in the first place. So there are very, very many skills that you as a parent need to, to build and, and adhere to regularly in order to do that. But today we're really talking about what you need to do and what skill you need to help your child focus on to prevent the meltdowns in the first place for themselves. So teaching coping skills like breathing and I don't know, running and <laughs> exercise and, um, you know, yoga, all of that stuff, all of that, you know, pieces of paper that you can find on Pinterest that let's say, you know, um, go create a calming corner, all that stuff that you see on online on, on how to help your child calm down. All of that is reactive when used as a tactic to stop the meltdown. When your child is in that moment, your child is beyond the point of learning from you. And so this is a huge misconception, huge misconception in the mental health field and in the medical field in terms of, you know, if you're talking to your pedi kid's pediatrician, trying to get guidance about what may or may not work. It's also a huge misconception in, in the educational field if you're talking to teachers in terms of their wealth of knowledge and, and managing behavior 
um, just by nature, you know, if, if you're working with a teacher who's been teaching in the classroom for many years, because um, it's definitely not taught to teachers in, in school. Um, feet to the fire um, learning for, for many, many teachers in our society. So the, the problem with focusing on teaching coping skills and the problem with the way that society focuses on changing behavior right now is that it is super reactive. It stays stuck in the, okay, I see what's going on. What do I do in this moment to stop it? That's what a coping scale is designed to do. Stop the behavior in the moment and calm it down. Uh, coping skills don't work for teaching highly sensitive kids because you're trying to teach in that moment. In addition to that fact that your child, as a highly sensitive child, struggles to generalize skills. Hands down, biggest aha moment that we teach parents in boot camp is wrapping your head around the fact that your child is not going to generalize that skill, meltdown to meltdown, if that's how you're teaching calming the actual ability to calm to your child. So it's super, super important that you guys get this uh, dialed in and, and you really understand it because it's one of the major reasons why we see highly sensitive kids come into either our, our therapy practice or you know, parents who, who work with me through boot camp um, struggle before they get to us because one of the things that's so, so important is recognizing that you cannot be reactive when changing the dynamic of eliminating daily meltdowns and strategy and, you know, coping skills and neat little emotion charts, all that stuff, that is a reactive level of support for your child. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like to live my life waiting for the wave to crash for me to figure it out. So what's super, super important for you to, to, to focus on is teaching your child the skill to not avoid their emotions. One of the things that's so important is to avoid reactive strategies and instead focus on getting your child to change how they respond to their own emotions. When your child is melting down, your child is avoiding their emotions. What? <laughs> what do you mean, Megan? Avoiding my emotions? My kid is all emotion. I mean, it's like, you know, what's that angry guy from, from inside out times a million when this is going on? Their face is purple. I'm t screaming. They're screaming. I'm screaming inside. If I'm not screaming at my kid, it's a disaster, right? Huge mess. Your child is actually avoiding their emotion if they're in that level of rage and intensity. This is something that nobody teaches. You cannot hear that from anybody else. And the reason behind that is the fact that your kid is so, so overwhelmed and overstimulated that they've literally lost all control. You cannot teach your kid in that moment a thing. Your kid is drowning. You cannot teach somebody to swim when some, when they're drowning. You throw them a life vest. And so your life vest might be, okay, that's it. We're not going today. Or go to your room. I don't want to deal with it. Or here's a big hug. And then you feel resentful because, you know, is my kid manipulating me? 
It's the words that come out of the parents of teens' mouths so, so frequently when we work with, with their, their teens who have expressed behaviors at, um, at, at my private practice. Guys, if that thought is swimming through your head and your child is in elementary school or middle school at this point, it's inevitable that you'll get to the point, if you don't fix this now, where you literally believe that your kid is manipulating you, literally throwing these meltdown rages on purpose. Because by the time it gets to that point, your child's old enough to conceptualize what, what may or may not work in that moment. But in, in the moment of a, of a big meltdown, your child is, is out of control, out of body, not there, you know, woo-woo, you know, what's that, um, Chris Tucker from, you know, do you understand the words coming out of my mouth, like that phrase? No, nothing's going in, nothing's going out. Huge explosive. When that's happening, you cannot teach a kid to blow bubbles. I was talking to you know, parents the other day um, about this, and then even even today, you know, how come therapy doesn't work for this population? And the the reason the reason why twenty percent of the population is highly sensitive and yet makes up fifty percent of the reason of, of the people who go to therapy is because mental health therapy does not teach that when your child is struggling in the moment, it is not a teachable moment. What do we teach? What do we learn in grad school? What do we learn years and years and years afterwards, even if we're you know, esteemed child therapists? Practice in the therapy office so that you can use it outside of the therapy office. Guys, that doesn't work. Prevention is super key. Emotional, the ability to not escape emotion is super, super key. You cannot teach your child to not escape their emotion, to not avoid it, if you don't focus on preventing the meltdowns in the first place. So I'm throwing you for a loop here today because I've got a topic, but there's two topics attached to it in, in today's training because it's super complicated and yet simple at the same time. It makes sense, right? Recognizing that if you're focused on reacting to the meltdown, but your child is emotionally closed off to thinking about how they feel their big feelings or talking about how they feel their big feelings, how on earth are they going to be open to needing to use a skill in the first place? It's like you're speaking two different languages. Not let alone the fact that play is the language of children and so they don't even have the words in the, in the language that you speak, whether that be English or, or another language you speak at home. Most of you are English speakers here. But recognize that. You are on two very different levels of planes in your own household. And the professionals that you're working with are telling you that you, you've got to figure it out and you just need to keep trying harder. And guys... It gets me super fired up because this is bullshit. And it had to, it took me five years of my career to get even an inkling of an understanding of why that is. But without my own personal experience of, of, of growing up in a household with a highly sensitive sister and my own personal experience of, of working with parents on trying to teach this one-on-one and noticing that it didn't work, there's no way, shape, or form that I would have taken that information from that very pivotal training earlier in my career and actually made it work 
for for you guys. And and so when we think about the importance of shifting the dynamic in your household to eliminate daily meltdowns, your child is at the point of separating their their body from their emotion when they're in that meltdown stage. And so the worst thing you can do is ignore them in that moment. The second worst thing you can do is try to tell them that they can use a coping skill because that perpetuates shame. Both of those actions perpetuate shame. I should say the first worst is punishing them, yelling at them, screaming, sending them, them um, to time out, spanking, all those kinds of shame, like physical shame based. And, and guys, I have to take shame off the table for you if you're yelling because you're exasperated because a lot of you are. I know that. I know that. That's why you're here. So instead of focusing on spinning and judging yourself, get help. Figure out and recognize that there are many, many factors that you're not considering in changing this dynamic and you need to get to the root of the problem rather than reacting to the symptom of the problem. Meltdowns are a symptom of the problem. And you create tension in your body, you create frustration in, in your household. You feel, you know, maybe you feel like because you're trying really hard, you are, you know, you don't question whether or not you're a good parent because you love your kid. But there are definitely times where you see other people question you. And, and that doubt creeps in and that feeds into whether or not you're putting on your best face forward. And when that's going on, your brain is spinning into what other people think of you. And so maybe you know deep down inside that you're the best parent. It's frustrating. It's, you're stuck. It, you're in your head. You're, you're out of the fact that you need to be in that moment connecting to your child, helping them feel heard and understood. Because it, it just doesn't freaking end. And so when that's happening... No wonder you can't get out ahead of it because you're in survival mode, guys. You're in fix-it mode. And your body and your brain wants to just shut it down, get the screaming to stop however way I can. Spoke to a parent the other day. If, you know, calm down skills don't work, here's some Oreos. We'll figure it out tomorrow. Like, guys... How much longer? Your child is emotionally evacuating from the situation. And if you don't fix that part of the problem, and instead you focus on saying, well, you're here, you're here, you know, your physical body is here. I see you screaming. You should be using your coping skill right now. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe it's a great day. And you're not saying it that like that. <laughs> You know, you should be, you know, but guys, I know how it is. There are some days where we say it with that kind of tone, right? And so we, you, you say it like with that kind of tone. And so recognizing that your child picks up on that, your HSC picks up on that. And that perpetuates the shame of feeling like they should have this figured out by now because you are so frustrated that you haven't figured this out by now. And so to get back to my point, your child has evacuated the situation. Their body is in animalistic chaos, 
right now with a meltdown, super overstimulated, out of, out of control. And when you focus on teaching a, a coping skill, again, not your fault. You learn it from therapists. You learn it from doctors. You learn it from teachers. You learn it from you know, your sister's kids using it just fine. 80% of the population is not highly sensitive, guys. So 80% of the population is teaching the same stuff. When you're using that strategy to work with a, your child who is not that 80%, you are sending the message that you don't understand your kid. You are sending the message that your kid needs to get their shit together. And you are sending the message that they are broken because they are literally ready to hightail it out of their own bodies in that emotional intensity. And you're telling them to get back in. So what do they do? They say, nope. <laughs> Deep breathing don't work, mom. I mean, if your child has the wherewithal in that moment, they are not at 10 out of 10. Maybe they're 8 out of 10, 7 out of 10. Um, they might be able to tell you that that coping skill didn't work. Or, or if they're at a 4 out of 10, they might be able to try it, like half-assedly. But what you know and, and is that it's not working, but what you assume is that it's because your kid's not trying hard enough or they don't want to change. Now, that's another problem that a lot of professionals will say, you know, especially in the mental health field. Um, a ton of therapists will jump to the conclusion because it's one of the things we're taught in school. Um, that, that a child who is not applying a scale or parents who are not applying a scale effectively, it's not working for them or they give up too soon. It's because they're not motivated for change. Guys, I know for you, this is awful. It's really bad. So if that's really what's going on, you are motivated. It's just a matter of figuring out what else is worse in your life where you can't make this a priority. And so that's for you to figure out. That's for you to decide and, and sort out. But I know for certain that there's nobody on this planet that likes to be miserable. There are some people who are hurting so much they don't think that they can not be miserable. Like that's just who they think they have to be in life. I'm not talking to those people. I'm talking to you. I know you don't like to be miserable. And so, of course, neither does your kid. Because no child's put on this earth to, to be miserable. No child is put on this earth to feel miserable, and no child is put on this earth to learn a lesson about living a miserable life. So when we know that, and we recognize that, then we have to take action immediately to get out of the perspective that your child has to learn a lesson from how miserable they are by wanting to escape their big emotions. They have to actually learn how to feel their emotion in the moment before it pops off to dynamite level. And so if you're working on teaching coping skills when your kid's up here or even like a little bit up here, then you're missing the mark significantly. And, you know, I spoke to a parent earlier today wondering why therapy doesn't work or, or you know, what makes it, it, it different and why so many parents we talk to take their kids to therapy and, and they, don't, they don't actually learn skills and practical application of preventing meltdowns is because you cannot teach 
prevention of a meltdown to a child who's highly sensitive. You have to teach those skills to a parent. The parent environment has to change in order to prevent meltdowns. This is so, so important and it's ta talked about in the research on highly sensitive people and highly sensitive children, but it's not talked about in typical therapy training. It's not talked about in uh, occupational therapy training. It's not talked about in, you know, we have some parent families whose kids see neurologists and they will, you know, just by nature of, of other issues they may or may not be having or, or assessments they had done. It's not talked about in, you know, for clinical psychologists who do assessments. This stuff is not written about. And so when you notice that and you see that cross state lines and, you know, from, you know, across multidisciplinary teams that this is not talked about, it's so, so important for you guys to understand that going the traditional route to solve this problem is going to keep you stuck. And so the, the focus for you at this point is recognizing that in order to shift the dynamic in your household, you have to change and you have to help your child change how they experience their emotions. And if your child is running away, literally up to the room to escape or running away emotionally by exploding or running away by shutting down, hiding behind the couch, um, just, you know, uncontrollable sobbing, that's whatever the meltdown or outburst or yelling at you, you know, whatever, whatever the meltdown or outburst is, that is emotional escape. I don't, I, I have no control, nor do I have any interest in controlling. I've hit my limit and I, I can't do anything more. And so I'm relinquishing responsibility for my emotions. I'm relinquishing responsibility for my circumstances because I'm actually making it worse. And when your kid gets to that point, can't throw a squishy at them and, 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 and think that's going to help. doesn't make any sense. So guys, if this hits home for you and it's got you in a position of wondering what you need to do and, and how you get out of that, I would encourage you to book a call. We'll figure out what, where you're stuck, why you're not creating a system that supports strategic prevention of meltdowns and what you need to do to make that happen and you know as i you know said before you know how how do i help our son recognize his own triggers for for this parent who posted earlier i don't know how i don't know how because i don't know your kids particular issues i don't know how old your kid is or or what the problem is or how long you've been trying to fix it or what you've been using to fix it and why that's not working we have to get that figured out on the phone um, because everybody's situation is different and my work fits a very particular population of people and parents who want to eliminate daily meltdowns and are ready to get it done immediately are that population. And I also need to know whether or not your family is a, is a proper fit and I cannot do that through a, a Facebook message. So again, um, book a call. 
I hope that this focus and, 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 and mindset shift was helpful for you. And um, I will speak to you later. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So to see if we can help you do the same, head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.